So here we are in the preparation for Elul. I'd just like to start with a, an idea that I heard from Rabbi Isaac Bernstein, uh, a rabbi, very famous rabbi from Ireland, one of the best speakers I've ever heard, uh, Nifter at a young age. He said the following, as uh, you probably know, uh, the verse after Shema, Shema Yisrael, we say, Baruch Shem Kavod blessed is the name, the glorious kingdom forever. Now that actually doesn't appear in the Torah. That's not in the Torah. Uh, that actually, the origin of that, there's two different sources about it, but the Midrash says the origin of that is when Moses went up to Sinai, he heard the angels say that beautiful blessing, and he said that is a nice blessing, and he brought it to the Jewish people, and he said we are going to say this. Obviously, since it's an angelic blessing, and we are not on that level, and it's not appropriate necessarily for us to always say that, we say it quietly. A type of like a thief is not going to walk around advertising what he has stolen, right? Uh, so, therefore, we also are quiet about it. Soto voce. However, when it comes to Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, we are like angels. We don't eat, we don't drink, we don't involve ourselves in the physical world. We're praying all day. We're like angels. Therefore, we feel justified in saying it aloud. Uh, the problem with that is, Rabbi Bernstein asked the following question. Uh, when are you more like an angel? The first Mariv evening service, beginning of Yom Kippur, or Mariv at the end of Yom Kippur? If you think about this, the Mariv evening service at the beginning of Yom Kippur, you say Boris Shankvod Mechusa out loud. That Mariv, the very beginning of Yom Kippur, it's about an hour, maybe 45 minutes into Yom Kippur, you still can feel the knedlech or kreplech in your stomach, right? You are still fresh from the shower. The caffeine is still pumping through the veins, right? Everything is dandy. You're not very angelic at that point. Now, at the end of Yom Kippur, the last mariv, the evening service, at the end of Yom Kippur, then you're angelic. You've had 25 hours of fasting and prayer, right? You're much, much closer to the angels at that point than you are at the beginning. So why is it that at the first time we say Shema, we say that out loud, and yet at the end of Yom Kippur, when one would imagine we're much more angelic, we say it quietly. What's the answer? Right, Bernstein quotes the Maharal. Maharal says that when Yaakov uh, had his dream of the ladder, Jacob had his dream of the ladder, he sees angels going up and down the ladder. And all the commentaries discuss, what do you mean going up and down? Angels should be going down, then up. Angels don't, are not from here, they're from there. So they should be going up, or down, and then up. Why are the angels going up and down? Numerous answers are given. Rashi says, because the angels of Israel, which accompanied him in the land of Israel, those angels left him. And he got the angels of Chutzlaretz, the diaspora angels, right, export quality, right, not quite as good, right, he gets the diaspora angels coming to accompany. So the angels are going up, they're the Israeli angels leaving, and the diaspora angels are coming down. The Maharal asked the question, he says, what do you mean? He wasn't leaving Israel, he was, he was in the middle of Israel. According to many countries, he was in Jerusalem, he was in Yerushalayim, in the center of Israel, he hadn't left yet, he wasn't on the border he wasn't at Ben-Gurion. He was not at the Lebanese border. He was in the middle of Israel. Why are the angels of Israel leaving him? The Maharal says an amazing, uh, an amazing and beautiful idea. He says one's spiritual level is not determined by where you are. It is determined by where you are going. So he says Jacob was going. He was leaving Israel. So even though he's still in Yerushalayim, he's left. And therefore, his, it's the, in, to put it in the terms of physics, it's the vector which counts, right? Whereas, so now we could use, or the, Rabbi Bernstein uses the Maharal's principle to explain the custom. At the beginning of Yom Kippur, what's our vector? Where are we headed? We're headed up. 
We're headed towards Yom Kippur. And so therefore, immediately, we can say, Baruch Shein Kavod Malchuso. At the end of Yom Kippur, at the Marif, evening service, the end of Yom Kippur, where are we headed? We're thinking to ourselves, I hope she defrosted the bagels this year. Otherwise, I don't. Or if that guy blocked my driveway once more, I'll kill him, right, etc. So basically, right, where are we? At the end of Yom Kippur, we're heading out. Right? And so therefore, our level already is not angelic. Our level is way below that. So anyway, at the moment, however, our level could be considered very high because where are we heading? We're heading towards Rosh Hashanah. We're heading towards the 10 days of repentance, we're heading towards Yom Kippur and Sukkot. That's a very beautiful thing. And hence, we're heading for the highest. I'd like to discuss a question which was the, uh, which was the topic does Hashem, does God have to forgive us? What do I mean by that? Let me start with the Masil Sishorim. Rav Moshe Chaim Lozato in the Masil Sishorim, the fourth chapter, he says the following. He says, how could it be? He says, God, you know, uh, created the world initially with Midas Hadin, with the attribute of justice. And as we see, Bereshis Bora Elohim, in the beginning, Elohim created, Elohim is the name of God that pertains to the attribute of justice. He created the world with justice and nature... The world of nature is a world of justice, meaning that, uh, that there's no leeway in nature. You stick your hand in fire, it'll get burnt. You can't, like, take your hand out and say, oh, I didn't mean it, or I thought it was good for you, or I thought, it, you know, it, it, it will burn immediately. So he says, that's Midas Adin. He says, however, Midas Harachamim, the attribute of mercy, the attribute of mercy is that which gives the world the possibility of existing. The world could not exist with Midas Adin. We could not exist, Midas Adin, because what does Midas Adin, attribute of justice, means? It means as soon as a person commits a sin, then the full wrath, the full anger of God is unleashed upon that person. There is no buffer zone between the cause and the effect spiritually. There's no possibility of changing it because it's already happened in past, and the person will be utterly destroyed. And the truth of the matter is, if the world would be running according to Midas Adin, according to the attribute of justice, the world would not survive. So therefore... God brings the midat harachamim, the attribute of mercy, to the world. What is the attribute of mercy? It involves three things, Ramchal says in the Sil Sharm. It involves, number one, that God does not immediately punish the sinner. Rather, he holds back the effects of the sin and gives a buffer zone, so to speak, before the impact of the sin is felt, so that there's a possibility of survival, of repentance, etc., Number two, he doesn't unleash his entire anger on the person. He holds back. Even when he does unleash anger, it's not his complete anger. And third, he allows the possibility of tshuva, of repentance. He allows that possibility. Those are the three ideas. This is alluded to in the verse, And he is merciful, and he atones for sin. He doesn't destroy he doesn't arouse his entire anger. In other words, those ideas which are that, number one, God allows repentance. Number two, he allows a buffer zone. He doesn't immediately punish. And three, he doesn't arouse his complete anger are there in that posse. He is merciful. That's the attribute of mercy. So the quality of mercy, unstrained, is something which, as we see, Hashem runs the world with the quality of mercy, right, combined with din. So, Ramosha Chaim Lozato says, it is only through the quality of mercy that tshuva, repentance, is possible. He says, because when you think about it, how could it be? How could it be, he says, that, that the uprooting my desire to do the evil is the equivalent of uprooting the actual act? Akiras, 
How could it be that uprooting my desire for evil is the equivalent of uprooting the past? He says, Mishiratza, someone who murdered. The murder is still there. How have, how have you changed that? Any crime that you commit, the crime is still there. So he says, the idea that tshuva works, the idea that repentance actually works, that you've uprooted the action that you did in past, that concept, he says, is certainly an attribute of chesed, of God's kindness, and an aspect of his mercy, he says, without mercy, without the attribute of mercy, without chesed, without kindness, tshuva, repentance, would not be possible. Because how could it be that you go back to the past and rip out the action that you did just merely by your regret at this moment? He says, it cannot be. He says, the only way it can be is because God is merciful. It's Rahmanus. And this is echoed in many, many of the writings of many of the Rishonim and Achronim that, that tshuva, the attribute of tshuva, tshuva repentance, is really based on God's attribute of chesed, of kindness, of Rahmanus, of pity, of mercy upon us. So that is, seems to be pretty clear from the Mesil Shisharim. The problem, and this is a question which Rabbi Hanan Wasserman asked the Chafetz Chaim. Rabbi Hanan Wasserman, of course, was the greatest student of the Chafetz Chaim, and his question to the Chafetz Chaim was the following. He said, there's a Gemara in Kiddushin, it's on Daf Memamud base. the Gemara in Kiddushin says the following. The Gemara says, a person who is totally righteous his entire life, and he rebelled at the very end of his life, he has lost all his merit. So the Gemara says, and the quotes from the Posik in Yechezkel, Yechezkel 33, the Posik says, The righteousness of this righteous person will not save him on the day of his iniquity. He says, And even an evil person, their entire life, and they repented at the end of their life, his evil is no longer mentioned. So the Gemara quotes a similar pasuk in Yechezkel. So we find, the Gemara says, a person who was righteous his entire life, and at the end he rebelled, loses all the righteousness. person who was evil his whole life, and at the end did shuva, loses all his evil. So the Gemara says, I don't understand that. Why, shouldn't it, why should it be that this guy who did righteousness, did mitzvahs his entire life, at the very end of his life, he does one mistake, he, makes, he does one sin, he should lose everything? At least he should be, you know, mechzel, mechzel, let him be half, half. It doesn't seem to be fair. doesn't seem to be fair. The guy's paying his mortgage steadily for 30 years. The last payment, he's off by 100 bucks. They repossess the house. Is that fair? I mean, maybe they do that, but is that fair? It doesn't sound fair. So the Gemara says the following. The Gemara's answer is, Amar Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish says, Betoyher al harishoinois. It is not referring to a righteous person who merely does a sin at the end of his life. It's referring to a tzaddik, a righteous person, right, who at the end of his life regrets all the good that he did. As Rashi says, mitcharet al kol hatovot sha'asa. He regrets all the good that he did. So that's who we're talking about. We're talking about a guy who at the end of his life regrets everything. He regrets all the mitzvahs that he did. If he regrets all the mitzvahs that he did, the Gemara says, what happens? Ibeid es kulam. He loses all of them. He loses all the merit. 
Now, that's what the verse in Yechezkel is saying. Tzidkasat tzadik. The righteousness of this person is not going to save him because when he regrets all that good stuff that he's done, he's going to lose the reward for doing it. Now, obvious, at this point, Rabbi Hanan's question should now be, should now be like, just, whoa, this is, a, is the question not obvious at this point? Right, what's the question? I'll just, I'll just uh, you know, Rabbi Hanan says the following. He asks half the time, he says, I don't understand it. We learn in the Masil Sisharim that Shuvah is God's kindness, that by regretting my sin, I lose the punishment. He says, why is that an act of kindness? If you regret your mitzvahs, do you lose the reward? Sure. So if you regret the mitzvahs, you lose the reward. Why shouldn't it be that when you regret your sins, you lose the punishment? It should, is it, would it be fair, for example, for God to say, listen, you regret the mitzvahs, you don't get rewarded. But if you regret your avarus, you still get punished. Would that be fair? That would be unjust, correct? So, and when a person regrets his mitzvahs, what is operating here? When he regrets his mitzvahs and he loses the reward, is that midas hadin operating here or midas chesed? Which is it? It's din. It's certainly not chesed. It's not, it's not a kindness. Is it rachmanus? It's not rachmanus. The fact that when this person regrets his mitzvahs, he loses all the schar is midas hadin. So why shouldn't it be the same for if you do sins, you do Averis, you regret your Averis, you regret your sins, you should lose the punishment. So Rabbi Khan Muslim says, he asked the Chavis, I don't understand. Where is the chesed? Where is the kindness in Shuba? Is this, is this clear? Question clear, folks? I think it's a great question. I mean, not that Rabbi Khan needs my approval, but it's a, it's a great question. Right. He doesn't get punished. He does not get punished. Right? If you regret your sins, you don't get punished. And by, by the same token of Chasa Shalom, a person regrets their mitzvahs, their good, what, the good that they've done, they don't get rewarded. So it's even both sides. You don't need, you don't need Midas HaChesed here. You don't need God's kindness here. You don't need God's Rachmanus. If it, would, it would be unfair not to forgive us when we do tshuva. It would be unfair. If he only is, is going to... Uh, he's going to erase your merit when you regret your mitzvahs, but he won't erase your sin, your punishment, when you regret your sins. Would that be fair? Of course it wouldn't be fair. Justice requires that God forgives us. And if he doesn't forgive us for this tshuva, for, for when we do tshuva, when we repent our sins, he should not erase our merit when we regret our mitzvahs. You can't have it both ways. That is his question. So there are Four answers to the question. Right? Chafetz Chaim, uh, well, Chafetz Chaim's, Rabbi Hanan's, uh, was really, okay, yeah, four. Okay, let's go through them. The Chafetz Chaim answered him the following. Chafetz Chaim says, look, he says, there's two types of tshuva. We know there's two types of tshuva. One tshuva is what we call tshuva me'ahava, tshuva from love. I do tshuva, I repent, I regret having done the evil because I love God. And I regret what this has done to our relationship. And because of my love of Hashem, and I want to retain and enforce that relationship, I regret having done that. So therefore, that is tshuva, that is repentance, out of love. There's another type of tshuva, which is called tshuva meyira. Tshuva, repentance out of fear. What does that mean? I see the terrible consequences of what I did. And I don't like those consequences. They are painful. And so therefore, I regret having done what I did, because of the consequences. The Chafetz Chaim said the following. He said, first of all, we know there's a difference between tshuva me'ahava, tshuva out of love, and tshuva out of fear. In tshuva out of love, 
The Talmud says that, uh, the Gemara in Yuma says, 86, it says that when you do tshuva because you love God, what happens to your sins? They're not just erased. They are turned, that's correct, they are turned into merits. He says that certainly is midas achesed. That's God's kindness. Think of it the following way. When the guy regrets the good things that he did, do they turn into sins? Or he just loses the reward? He loses the reward. They don't turn into sins. Right? Midas adin, justice would say the following. When you do tshuva, right, justice says you are forgiven and hence there's no punishment. But does justice say that the sins you did now become like merits? Of course not. That's not justice. That's way beyond. That's lifnim mishur asadin. That's going way beyond. That is God's mercy and that is God's kindness that he looks at the sins that we did as merits, whereas the person who regretted the good things he did, God does not look at them as though he did sins, but he just, it's neutral. He's erased the reward. That's number one. The Chavetz Chaim also adds, he says, and Shuvah Meira, the fact that God accepts repentance out of fear of punishment, he says that is pure and total chesed, pure and total kindness. Think of it. It's amazing to me that this is even considered Shuvah. What is Shuvah out of Europe? Words, I, 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 I hurt someone, ter- I did something terrible to someone. And because of the terrible thing I did to that person, I am having now a lot of problems. So I go to the person and I say, you know what? What I did to you has created terrible problems for me. I regret that I did it because of all the problems it's causing for me. I, I mean, let's say you were the offended party. Would you say, oh, well, thank you for asking, for saying sorry. Did I say sorry? Is that called being sorry? I said, you know what? I'm sorry I did that because of all the pain it caused me. I don't care about you. Right? That's not called saying sorry. Right? It's like some kid, you know, whatever, I don't know, uh, think of an example, but, but the kid does something wrong, right? Uh, he breaks the window of the house, right? I told him a million times to not play baseball in this area. He plays baseball in this area, he breaks the window. So I take it out of his allowance. So he comes over to me and he says, Abba, I feel terrible about the allowance that I have lost. Right, I just feel terrible about it, and you know, it's just like it, because I need to buy this, I need to buy this, and it's just terrible for me. And I say, you know what? You're forgiven. That's not even tshuva, is it? I mean, I, I mean, but nevertheless, God accepts that. Hashem accepts that. The Chafetz Chaim says, "What greater love could there be than accepting that as sorry?" I mean, a parent might do that. A parent might say, "You know, you know what? Okay, right." Although most of us, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be so quick to forgive the kid if that's what his attitude is. But Hashem, his chesed, his kindness, and his rachmanus, his mercy, extends forgiveness even to a case where the only reason I'm repenting is because I'm scared of punishment. So the Chafetz Chaim points out two ideas. He says, number one, in tshuva me'ahava, when I repent out of love for God, he says, not only are the punishments erased, but... Those acts that I did, which are sins, are now considered to be zechuyot, merits. They're considered now to my advantage. Whereas when the person regrets having done good things, they regret having done mitzvahs, yes, the reward is erased, but it's not as if every mitzvah he did is now considered to be a sin. So therefore, that is the chesed of Hashem. That's the Chafiz Chaim's answers. Okay, these clear? Uh, good. But Rabbi Hanan Vassman didn't like them. Rebbe Wasserman does not like the answer. He doesn't accept that answer. And as we know, the, uh, maybe you don't, but now you, soon you're going to know, right? The Rebbe Chaim Velozhin says in Pirkei Ovis, 
on the Mishnah, the Mishnah says your home should be a, an assembly place for the sages. And then it says, You should cling to the dust of their feet. That's how it's normally translated. I think art scroll, cling to the dust of their feet. However, Reb Chaim Velozhin says, Misabek ba'afaraglem does not mean to cling, does not mean to cling. Misabek actually comes from the word in the Torah, Vaya'avek ish imo, ad amud hashacha, ad alois hashacha. What does Vaya'avek mean? Wrestle, struggle. Reb Chaim Velozhin says, when it says to sit at the feet of the sages, it doesn't say to sit there and say, you know, and just like everything, they just go right you know, into my ear onto the notebook. Right? He says, no, you have to struggle with the words. You have to wrestle with the words. And he says, it has to be with humility at the dust of their feet, but you have to wrestle with the words. And Ruchayim Velozhin says, if you don't understand what he says, don't accept it. If you've got a kasha, a problem with what the teacher says, you are not allowed, he says, you are not allowed to accept it. He says, that is not what Torah is about. You have to understand what he's saying. No questions on it. Uh, you've answered my question. So Rebbe Vasman. Yes, he sat at the dust of the feet of the Chavetz Chaim, but the Chavetz Chaim said something which didn't make sense. He didn't like it. He had a kasha on it. He didn't accept it. Okay, that's just parent, par- parenthetical, but I think an important parenthesis. So Rebbe Vassman does not like the Chavetz Chaim's answer because he says that if you look at the words of the Mesilas Hishorim, he seems to say that the very fact that you are able to uproot the action through your present tshuva, that in and of itself is chesed. See, the Chavetz Chaim seems to say that the uprooting of the action, the erasing of the punishment by your regret, Chavetz Chaim says that's not chesed, that's not kindness, that is justice, it should be like, it has to be like that. But, but uh, uh, the only kindness is that those sins become merits. But Rabbi Hanavasman says, but it doesn't, if you look at the statement of the Masil Shasharim and you look at the statements of many, many of our sages, they seem to indicate that the very idea of tshuva, the very essence of repentance in and of itself, is something which is chesed, which is kindness, hence he doesn't accept the answer. So he gives a very different answer. And his answer is based on something which the Rav Moshe Chaim Lozato, the Masil Shasharim, author of the Masil Shasharim, himself says in Derech Hashem. In Derech Hashem, first section, chapter 4, the Ramchal, Rav Moshe Chaim Lozato, says the following. He says that every mitzvah, he says, has two components. He says, Kol achat mehem, mekuvenes el tachlis haknayas ba'adam hetzimbo achas madregas hamailas amitis. He says, number one, every single one of the commandments is designed to, to contribute to your perfection spiritually and morally. Every one of the commandments is designed to inculcate within you a certain character trait, to bring you closer to Hashem, closer to perfection, to reveal more godliness within the human being. Every avera, every sin, every commandment that says don't do this is designed to protect you from negative character traits, from things which are contrary to, to perfection, etc. In addition, however, he says, there's another component. And he says, by the way, first of all, I should point out that he says, if it would just be for those reasons, we would feel that we'd have to do the mitzvahs and avoid sin just for that itself, even if God didn't command us. Even if God did not command us in these things, if we knew the reasons, we understood the Tameh our mitzvahs, we clearly wouldn't transgress, and we clearly would do the mitzvahs, even if God didn't command us, like Abraham and Sarah. Our patriarchs and matriarchs fulfilled the Torah even before it was commanded. Why? God didn't command them to do it. Answer is that they understood the impact of a sin on the soul. 
They understood the impact of certain actions, a mitzvah, on the soul. They understood these things are going to bring them to perfection or these things are going to lead them away from perfection, depending on what you do. So that means every mitzvah and every avera, every one of the mitzvahs, as the Ramchal says, each one of them is creating light or it is pushing away the darkness. In some sense, every single one of them is contributing to the perfection of the human being. He says, however, we also know that God commanded us to do them. There is a mitzvah to do it. So it's not just, it's not only because, oh, I understand this, it makes sense, it's going to perfect me, I should do it. In addition to to that, there's also the fact that Hashem has the moral authority to command us to do this mitzvah. Once he commands me to do it, I have to do it whether or not I understand the reason. So So there's two components to every mitzvah. There, number one, is the impact of that mitzvah on me. There is the elevation that my soul receives from having done it. And, in addition, there is also the fact that I am fulfilling the will of God who commanded me to do so. I am a loyal and obedient servant. In a sin, a person does a sin, there's two components. Number one, there is the negative impact the sin has on my soul. Number two, there is the fact that I'm rebelling against the command of Hashem. Right? The Ramban says this also in this week's, last week. Last week's parsha. The Ramban says the following on Kansipur. He says the following that Ze'inyan Tam, that which Maimonides states that all mitzvahs have a reason, Mavu'arhu Me'od is very, very clear. It is certainly clear. Kibakol Echad Mehem in every single one of them, Yesh Tam V'Toelet V'Tikun La'Adam. There is a reason. There is a value, and there is a perfection of the human being involved. Milvad aside from. Aside from the fact that there's a reward because God commanded you to do it. So that's the two components. This actually, these two components are mentioned in a very beautiful way by the Imre Bina. Uh, the Imre Bina was uh, a famous Rav who was the Rav of Yerushalayim. Uh, I don't know how long, 100 years ago or so. Rav Meir Orbach. So he wrote, I think he's the grandfather of Rosh I'm not absolutely certain. But Rav Meir Orbach writes in the Imre Bina, someone asked him the following question. Someone asked him, is it possible for a person to share their reward for a mitzvah? So, you know, let's say I support someone who is learning Torah. Uh, can I get some of that reward? The Ramah in Shulchan Aruch, Code of Jewish Law, says you can do so. It's what we call the classic, what's called Yisachar, Zvulun relationship. So he says... That's what the, the Shulchan Aruch Code of Jewish Law says that can be done. However, Rav Haigaon was asked about this, and Rav Haigaon was asked that this is in the uh, in a tshuva, the tshuva of the Marama Lashker, who quotes Rav Haigaon as saying, "What do you mean?" He says, "What?" He says, "Your reward in the world becomes a commodity that you can barter. You can, what you put on the futures market in the Chicago Merc, right? Let's bid on this guy's oil and harbor. How can you do that?" What, he says, "He says, can you trade with it?" He says, "Ridiculous." So Rav Haigaon very strongly says, there's no such thing. Now, the Imre Bina says, how could such a thing be? I mean, an extreme argument of that sort. Doesn't Rav Haigon, is he not aware of all the Midrashim that talk about Yisachar, the tribe of Yisachar and Zvulun, where Yisachar, right, would study Torah and Zvulun, right, would be the great business people that go out, they'd trade, they'd share their money with Yisachar. Yisachar would share their reward with Zvulun. How could such a thing be? Such an extreme argument. Rav Haigan says, impossible. You cannot barter your world to come. 
right? You cannot sell it on the commodity market. You cannot put it on those barter points for those clubs, whatever. Nothing, right? And he says, by the same token, thank you points and the city card, whatever, something like that. He says, no such thing. But the Shulchan Aruch, Code of Jewish Law, says you can do so. And there's many sources that indicate you can do such a thing. So the Imre Binah says, I, want to, I would like to resolve the argument. I'm making shalom peace between the Ramah and Rav Haigon. I don't think there's an argument. He says, what is, how does it work? He says, you know, when you do a mitzvah, there's two aspects of the reward that you get for a mitzvah. What he calls schar gemuli and schar tiv'i. Schar gemuli and schar tiv'i. I'll give you an example. The example is, a kid goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, okay, he takes out this huge syringe, says, you need to get a shot. He goes, ah! The kid runs around the office, he's breaking things. The doctor says to the, you know, to the mother or father, can you please calm him down? I said, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. You know, it's like really, you know, we're, we're, we're much more of a different type of family, much more liberal. And, you know, like, what, so the doctor says, oh, you know, he feels like giving you the shot. But he says to the kid, I'll tell you what. He says to the kid, listen, kid, if you sit quietly and let me give you the shot, I'll give you a lollipop. Kid says, let me see it. So he shows him lollipops all day, you know, the all day sucker, we used to call them, right? So he shows it to him, the kid says, all right, fine. So the kid sits down, the doctor gives him the shot, and then he gives him the lollipop. Okay. So now, now the Imre Binner would say, the child has two rewards here, right? Does he not? A, he has a lollipop, because he was obedient and listened to the doctor. And B, maybe even more importantly, he is now inoculated against a terrible disease. Okay. Now, he takes the lollipop. Could he share the lollipop with a friend? Of course he can. Right? Can he chuck out the lollipop? Sure he can. Can he give it back to the doctor? Absolutely. He can do what he wants with the lollipop. Right? However, the inoculation. He goes to a friend and says, Ooh, I got an inoculation today. Can I share this with you? Hello? He cannot do that. Right? I'm not a physician, but I don't think he can. Right? So... Uh, let, they do a Mark Twain thing, they rub their thumbs against maybe the blood, I don't know, but, but let's leaving aside this type of stuff, I don't think it can be shared, so the, what, the Imre Binah says the following with every mitzvah we do, there is schar gemuli, meaning we lo- a lollipop I mean, I hate to, I don't want to bring it down to a lot, but I'm just using it as an example right, we get rewarded because we are obedient servants of Hashem the, in addition, however, when you do a mitzvah you are now inoculated you've got the shot you're now inoculated. You're now healthier. Your now soul is now being elevated. So the Imre Binah says this. The reward that you are able to share is what we call schar gemuli, the obedience reward. If I support someone who's learning Torah in his learning of Torah, I am just as obedient as he is to God. We, I deserve an equal share in the schar gemuli, in the obedience reward, do I not? If I am helping you do the mitzvah, I'm just as obedient as you are. If I'm encouraged, that's this week's parasha. Right? Cursed is he who does not, doesn't say yekayem, fulfill the Torah. It says, cause it to stand. Help it stand. The Ramban, in one of the three, four Pirushim, he brings down, he says, that the Gemara, he quotes the Yerushalmi, which says, a person who studied Torah, a person who learned Torah, taught Torah, guarded the, commandment, guarded the commandments, fulfilled the positive commandments, but, and is able to help someone else do it and doesn't, is included in that terrible curse. In other words, you're obligated to help other persons. When I do help another person, when I do it, it, whether it's psychologically, whether it's financially, enthusiasm, words of support, it doesn't matter. I am obedient to Hashem. I deserve the lollipop. 
But the other guy who's doing the mitzvah, can I possibly have his tikkun? Can I have the perfection of his soul as it's elevated by doing the mitzvah? I don't think so. So the Imre Binah says, Rav Gaon is talking about the schar TV, the natural word, the inoculation. He said, the Shulchan Aruch that says you can share, what is he talking about? Schar Gemuli, meaning the obedience reward. Is this crystal clear, folks? Am I explaining? Okay, good. Okay. Um, the Imre Binah says this in his responsa, uh, in Orachaim, responsa 13, if you would like to look it up. In, ever, in everyone's abundant spare time. So, uh, so now, the, the Rabbi Hanan Vassman says the following. It's a very simple and beautiful answer. He says, when a person regrets having done a mitzvah, when they regret having done a mitzvah, that person is no longer an obedient servant of God. In fact, they've rebelled against all of that obedience. What do they lose? Schar gemuli. They lose the lollipop. They lose the obedience reward. But the impact that the mitzvahs had in the world, the impact that the mitzvahs had on their soul is still there. That's not removed by your regret. By the same token, when a person regrets having done a sin, what does Midas Adin, what does the justice say? You regret doing it? You're no longer a rebel. You are no longer a rebel. You are now a loyal servant of the king. If you can imagine, I was in Philadelphia with the kids the other day. We were Independence Hall and Liberty Bell, all that type of stuff, you know, right? So, uh, you know, so you imagine some guy, no, I mean, they were talking about how burning the King George, and we were in the courthouse, they're talking about how the audacity, the chutzpah, of these people to take the royal symbol and burn it was really just, I was burning up. My wife's, you know, she's telling me, don't say anything, please. It's like, it's all Americans there, you know, it was like, whatever. Anyway, so, uh, but imagine some loyal servant of King George did not engage in the rebellion, even if he was a rebel, but he comes around to the side of justice and righteousness and the, and the monarchy, right? And he decides, yes, I will be a, a loyal servant of King George. Such a person is no longer a rebel. He's no longer a rebel. So you see, if the person regrets having done the sin, justice says, what should they not get? They shouldn't get punished for being a rebel. However, will the, uh, will the sin still have an impact on the soul? Yes, the kill, the, the TV, the disease is still there, rotting within them. The perversion, the corruption, the evil is still there. That justice can't get rid of. However, what is the Midas Tuvoi and Chazdoi of Hashem? What is God's attribute of justice? Uh, sorry, His attribute of kindness and mercy do? It, when you do tshuva, when we repent, not only do we erase the punishment for being a rebel, which justice requires that, but guess what else we erase? The impact of the Avera, the impact of the sin, the corruption and the disease of the evil is erased totally. Akiras Haratzon the uprooting of my will to rebel is the equivalent of uprooting completely the action. It's as though it never happened. It's as though it never happened. So Rebbe Vasman, based on the Imre, and the Imre Binah, by the way, alludes to this idea in the middle of the Tshuva, although he's not answering that question, but the Imre Binah says almost exactly this idea. He says that the God's kindness is that he not only erases the punishment for being a, re a rebel, because now I'm, not, now I'm a loyal servant, but he also erases the, the tivi, the natural consequence of the Avera. The corruption of the Avera is also erased. That is pure chesed. That's how Rabbi Hanan Vassaman explains and answers that question very differently from his Rebbe, the Chafetz Chaim.
So that is the, uh, I guess, the third answer. We have two answers from the Chafetz Chaim, one about tshuva of love and the other about tshuva of fear. And we now have the answer which Rabbi Chonon Vassman gives, which is the idea of tshuva uh, is, he says, tshuva, the chesed, the kindness of tshuva, is that the action is completely erased, not only the, the, the onesh gemuli, the disobedience aspect of the punishment, but also the impact the avera has, it's gone. It's gone. Um, the Sefer Ikrim, I found, alludes to this question as well. Rav Yosef Albo, in the Sefer Ikrim, in the fourth Mimer, 25th chapter, Perik Chafhei, in the fourth Mimer, uh, Rav Yosef Albo actually alludes this question. Of course, he lived uh, hundreds of years before the uh, Rav Hanan Vassman, but he alludes to this question, and his answer is a little bit different. I think it's, it, might be, it might be the same. I'm not absolutely certain if it's totally different. But what he says is the following. He says, the truth of the matter is, when a person regrets having done a sin, they should now be neutral, meaning... They should be on the neutral level. You, haven't, you don't have sins. You don't have merits. You're neutral. Now, he says, would a neutral person deserve to be beloved by God, favored by Hashem, brought close by Hashem, honored by Hashem? I don't think so. He says, if you're neutral, you're neutral. Right? The guy who doesn't stand out, the guy who does well in the class, the kid who does well in the class, so, okay, deserves the accolades. Right? The kid who who rebels and who is totally messes up in the classroom continuously and disturbs the class, deserves the punishment. What about the kid who's totally neutral? I mean, there's, I mean, there's no such thing. But let's, theoretically, the kid is just like neutral. You know, he sits in the car, he doesn't disturb, he doesn't do anything good, doesn't do anything bad. I mean, teacher's dream, he just basically, not, right, whatever. But no, there's no such thing, right? But, but what about him? So, so Rav Yosef Alba says, Din, Midas Hadin, the attribute of God's justice, requires, would only require the following, that when the person regrets the sins, it's as though he didn't do any sin. However, that he should be beloved, that God should bring him close, that God should love him more than before. He says that is something which is the chesed, the kindness of God. And that's what happens. He says the following. Number one, he says there's no reason that the fact that he regretted doing the wrong thing should make him anything special. So he should basically be coming back to zero. He was on the 49th level. He was on negative 49. He did shuva. Now he's up to zero. Now he's got to work for, for 49 plus ways of, of Kedusha. But the fact of the matter is, Mitzada chesed ha'eloki v'derech nedavah tagia ahavat Hashemit barach elav it is because of the midas chesed of Hashem that God especially loves the person who has done tshuva. So, so the Rabbi Yosef Alba, the Sefer Ikrim, has a beautiful answer as well. He's not attempting to answer this question, but I think he answers it anyway. He's saying, midas adin only tells me that the punishment's erased. Just like the reward is erased when you regretted mitzvahs, punishment's erased when you regretted sin. But God's chesed, God's kindness is such that he loves the person who does that. Because the person who does that has come closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and God's love is something which extends to such a person. In addition, he says, there's also another component. When a person starts in the program, in the, it, when this person starts to do tshuva, when the person opens up a little opening towards God, right, and opens up their heart a little bit, right, to do tshuva, to repent, God helps them. When the person regrets doing mitzvahs, God doesn't help them. 
Right? He doesn't help them. He leaves. He leaves them. Right? The God allows you to walk the way he wants. Your free will. Right? Uh, you can do that, and Hashem allows you to do that. But Midas Tuvoi, God's attribute of kindness and of uh, uh, kindness and Rachmanus, God actually helps the person who wants to do tshuva, gives them siata dishmaya help from heaven, encourages them, and brings them close. So according to the Sefer Ikrim, there's two aspects of Hashem's chesed, kindness, in tshuva. Number one is that God be- loves the person, especially favors him and loves him, even though he is... He, is, he did Averis in the past, or rather because he did Averis in the past, now Hashem loves him even more that he has come close to God. As the Rambam says in Hilchus Tshuva, if you have a look there, he expresses it very beautifully, poetically, uh, that, that yesterday he was hated, yesterday he was distant, today he is beloved, today he is brought close, today he is precious, today he is the gem of God's eye. That is the idea of Chesed. And secondly, Chesed says that not only will God allow the person to regret, but he'll help the person. Because when you think about it, if a person's done many sins, shouldn't they? It, it, it's just going to, the more you do, the harder it is to ever change. The more you do, the hard, it's embedded within you. The fact that it's possible to even do tshuva, the fact that we can change, the fact that we can make a, you know, make, create a different person out of ourselves, the fact that we can grow even from the negative experiences of the past, that is a miracle. That's Midas Chesed, that's the attribute of God's kindness. That is Rabbi Yosef Albo's answer. The final answer which I happen to like the most. Uh, it is a very beautiful, elegant, and poetic answer in very classic Rav Hutner style. That's because it's Rav Hutner's answer. But anyway, but Rav Hutner in the Pachad Yitzchak in uh, Rosh Hashanah, Maimar Ches, well worth looking at, Maimar Ches in Pachad Yitzchak in Rosh Hashanah, Rav Hutner addresses this question, and his answer is just so, it's, it's so beautiful. He says the following. In Dvarim, we see a few times Hashem equates good with life and evil with death. I have placed life and death before you. Blessings and curse. You shall choose life. Right, etc. Hashem describes good as life, and he describes evil as death. So Rav Hutner says the following. He says life requires life requires um, parnasa. It requires something to sustain it. Requires sustenance. To live, life requires sustenance. You know, you, to, a living organism needs to ingest, needs fuel, okay? Needs fuel. So living organism needs fuel. What is the life of a mitzvah, the life that the mitzvah gives to my soul, is, the way he puts it is, shel hatov. my belief in the value of that good, that is the sustenance that my soul derives from the mitzvah. When I do a mitzvah, that mitzvah is, gives me life, if I believe in the value of the mitzvah. A person who regrets having done the mitzvahs, he no longer believes in the value of the mitzvah, it can no longer give him life. If it can no longer give him life, he's no longer, it's not that he's killed himself, he's just stopped eating. He has stopped eating. So that means the person who's regretted, listen carefully, he puts it this way, the person who has regretted doing a mitzvah has gone from life to death which is the natural process of din, 
And his progress from life to death is because he stopped eating, so to speak. He stopped believing in the value of the good he has done. The good, therefore, can no longer sustain his soul. So he goes from life, mitzvahs, to death. He says that's a normal, natural progression, unfortunately. Life to death. Take away the source of life, afisat hachayim, as he puts it. Take away the source of life, of course death will ensue. He says, however, the person who is a Russia, an evil person their entire life, woe were they, they were living in the sphere of death. They were, to, <clears throat> to paraphrase a contemporary work of literature, they were death eaters, right? Such a person has been involved in death. He's living on the side, he who shall not be known, he's living on the side of death. Such a person is basically dead. Rishoim b'chayehem, nikru'u mesim, the Talmud says, an evil person when they're alive, even though they're walking around, they're the living dead. They're dead. So he says, tshuva is going from death to life. He says, going from life to death, that's midasadin, that's justice. Going from death to life, that's tchiyas amesim, that's resurrection of the dead, that's chesed, that's kindness. I don't know. I, I read this answer. I think all the other answers to me are no, no longer necessary. It's so beautiful. He's saying, what is tshuva? Right? That the person should regret the mitzvahs that he did means he has basically stopped absorbing the nutrients from the mitzvahs. He stopped absorbing the nutrients, the nutrients, the nutrition. He stopped eating. He's going from life to death. That's a normal, tragic, but midasadin attribute of justice. But when the person was living in death, when the person was living in the sphere of death. He'd chosen death his whole life, and now he's going from death to life. That's Tchiyas Amesim. Ha-ma'avar, the way he puts it is, he says, Ma'avar min ha-miso el ha-chayim, the transition from death to life. E'ef sharlo ki im bederech akiraso yishol ha-mavis can only happen when there's a total uprooting of death. That's why we need Rav Chesed. Because resurrection, the return from death, they're going from death to life, there is no parallel for that in nature. Nature is midasadin, that goes from life to death. He says, however, going from death to life, that's midasachesed, that's kindness, that's tchiyasamesim. So uh, that is how Rav Hutner answers it. Those are four answers to the famous question of Elchanan. Uh, I think hopefully through this we understand a little better uh, what tshuva is, a little better what the chesed of tshuva is, and we understand that when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, when it comes to Yom Kippur, when it comes to these ten days of repentance, we are engaged, so to speak, in nothing less than tchiyasamesim, in going from death to life, and we should be zoicha that we will see the ultimate tchiyasamesim of Vias, Mashiach, Tzikain, of Amen. Thank you.